When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. Today, co-host Rebecca of simplyrebecca.com is here and we have a fun mix of questions and answers from you all that we're going to get to later in the show. We're going to talk about why Rebecca hates thrift stores, what, if anything, Myers-Briggs has to do with how talkative a person is, and finally, we're going to talk about all things names, nicknames, changing your name, baby names, all kinds of good name stuff. Before we get to Awesome of the Week, I do have one quick announcement. On September 20th at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a sort of awesome hangout at Blue Garden, the food truck park in the Midtown area of downtown Oklahoma City. Show co-host Laura Tremaine and I will both be there, and we would love for you to come down and see us that night. It will be very casual, very laid back, and with all of you awesomes, we know that it will be a lot of fun. So again, that's September 20th at 4 o'clock at Blue Garden in Oklahoma City. And if you can make it that night, we would love to see you there. Now we will get on to our awesome of the week. Rebecca, would you like to get us started? I would. Today I am bringing you a beauty tip, which is a bit out of character for me. Yeah. (laughs) I am a really laid back gal. I have like my basics. I always use the same things for like years and years and years. And I have discovered something that is like changing my life. I am so happy. Let's I'm so happy. It. This sounds very exciting. I can't wait to hear it. So I have had an issue with flakes, like scalp flakes. Sure. And okay. it kind of comes and goes in like seasons of how bad it is. And it's embarrassing, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not cool folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I'm also, um, sort of crunchy. Uh-huh. See what I did there? Yes, yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> um, I'm sort of crunchy. So I have experimented with dandruff shampoos, but I haven't ever really wanted to jump into using something like that on a really regular basis because it just kind of, the intense smell, it just kind of makes me leery. I try to keep things a little bit more on the natural side. I'm not perfect at it, but I try. And I never really saw super good effects from it. So... I kind of have just been living with it. And then my hairdresser introduced me to a product called Active Clarifying Treatment. Well, this sounds very serious. (laughs) It's extremely serious. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's not a shampoo. You use it on your hair, kind of like a shampoo, but you, you go ahead when you're in your shower, you wash your hair, you use conditioner if you want to use conditioner, and then you put some of this on afterwards. You just squirt a little bit in your hand and you put it through like the ends of your hair and then make sure you massage it really good into the scalp. And what it does is it like strips away all of the buildup that is happening on your scalp. Because she has told me I do not have dandruff, which I did not believe her. And she's like, no, like you really don't. Dandruff is waxy. And this is not dandruff that is happening on your hair. This is from the hard water that is in our town. And our town is notorious for having very hard water. Yes. So I put this stuff on my hair. And literally, it just like takes all of that gunk away that's been causing me problems for years. And I'm so thankful for that. I love Um, it. I love it. You have such, I mean, you have this full head of glorious, curly hair. So I'm wondering if your hairdresser talked about, is is this something that um, people that have curly hair battle more than others? Or is it just something that anybody who has uh, product buildup could use? I think it would be good for anybody. I I kind of wonder if I might have more of a problem because along with my ha- my hair being curly, it's actually very thick. I have a lot of hair. And so I wonder if that makes it even harder for things to rinse out. But she said this is good for people who are swimming in swimming pools a lot, that the chlorine can be removed. If you have hard water in your area, it's really great for that. I actually called her today and asked if she had any recommendations for somebody wanting to look for this type of product in the drugstore because I bought something straight from her from the salon. My bottle, it's 12 ounces. It costs about $10. That didn't seem too bad. It's going to last me a long time because you can use it every day if you need to. But I only wash my hair every other day and I only need to use this maybe every other washing, maybe about like once a week. So it's going to last me a long time. But she said that if you want to go to your drugstore to look for something, you should go to the professional aisle, which I'm not really sure what that meant, but she said look for products like Paul Mitchell or Matrix. And that from one of those brands is what you want to buy. She didn't have a specific recommendation, not because it's not good, but just because she doesn't do her own shopping at drugstores. So she doesn't really know what's out there. So you want to look for a clarifier or a chlorine removal shampoo. And I'm just so excited that this is in my life now. (laughs) That is so fun. Man, hair products are something that I am always looking for the best new thing. I I have never been like brand loyal or treatment loyal to anything really for my hair. So I'm always like, Ooh, what are you using? Let's talk about it. So awesome. I love it. And tell me the name of it one more time. Well, mine is from a company called All Nutrient and they do have a website. It's all nutrient.com. So you might be able to buy it there, but it is a salon product my brand that I have. And so you should just maybe ask your hairdresser what kind to buy, but it's called active clarifying treatment. Okay. I will keep an eye out for it. So good to know. And your hair looks amazing by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. My awesome of the week is another music related one. Rebecca, I think I've told you this before that I sometimes 
go through phases where all I want to do is listen to podcasts all the time. I, I listen to things a lot and I will either be like on a big podcast kick or sometimes I'm just on a big music kick. I don't know what causes me to switch back and forth between these two things, but I am in a big music kick right now. So mine is music related and it's actually an example of some creative problem solving that I have had to do lately. Oh, okay. Well, tell me about it. So as you know, the twins are two and a half and mm-hmm. they are feeling it. They are feeling that, you know, that half age disequilibrium where just everything is so dramatic all the time. Oh, they're going through it. They huh? are going through <laughs> it with two. They are. And so, you know, two is hard enough as it is, but, and I had forgotten about this. I have four kids, but I had forgotten about the intensity of the witching hour, that time from about, I don't know, in our house, it's like that 4.30 to 6 o'clock range where I'm trying to get dinner ready and it seems like everybody's falling apart. Now, I will say, if you have younger children, the good news is eventually kids outgrow that witching hour time. Um, I had, right. I yeah. really had forgotten about it because the girls are long past that age. But with two of them, two toddlers <laughs> underfoot, I have doubly feeling it. One time. <laughs> yeah. So then it becomes the witching hour for mom too. And it's so funny because I was looking something up on my old blog uh, at Sorta Crunchy and I was I can't even remember what post I was looking for, but I came across a very, very old blog post of mine where I talked about how we love to have kitchen dance parties. This was when the girls were far, far younger, much younger. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about this. This is actually a great solution for the witching hour for that time when you're trying to get dinner ready, you're trying to get, um, you know, keep everybody happy and people are just falling apart over every little thing. So what I did was I turned to my very favorite friend, Spotify. Mm, Yes. And I put together a little playlist specifically for that time of the day, something that uh, will help us and inspire us to kind of dance it out and really kind of keep me on track. Because honestly, when I have two toddlers that are oh, everything is sad and dramatic. It's like the time of day when I start looking at the front door, like this might be the day I run away from home. Oh dear. Um, So is this something that you play like for everybody or, or what do you, what do you do with this? Um, both. Sometimes I just listen to it um, on my computer with the with just the speakers. And especially like if I do have the twins in the kitchen with me, and they are, you know, just playing or coloring or playing with Play-Doh doing something at the table, I'll turn it on, they like to kind of bop around to it too. Sometimes though, depending on what they're doing, um, Daisy's always gone at this time of the day. Uh, she has after school activities, but Eliza is usually around. So it just kind of depends on who's around. Sometimes though, I'll just put in my earbuds and, um, I'll have my own little kitchen dance party just by myself. (laughs) Okay. So this is not like Sesame Street's greatest hits, like getting your kids through it. No, no, this is not kids bop or anything (laughs) kid oriented. Although I did try to make the list okay for kids to listen to if my girls are around when I'm playing it, because I'll tell you what, I made this for the witching hour, but I'm finding I am turning this playlist on 
like all day while I'm folding laundry, while I'm cleaning up the kitchen, while I'm taking the boys outside or for a walk. It has just been so much fun. So I put together this playlist. One of the things I've talked about this before on the show, I love Spotify because you can build your own playlist from their catalog of music. So I put together this playlist of music that I love that when I hear these songs, I cannot help but to dance a little bit while I'm doing whatever. So there is dancey type stuff on there all the way back from the 80s, some solid 80s pop music. There's some 90s dance songs on there and also songs that are on the radio right now. And so I've just been having so much fun. It has really been so awesome in my life and it has truly helped me with those five o'clock freak out moments. (laughs) Because honestly, through the years of parenting, I have discovered that one of the best solutions for getting through that time of the day is distraction. Distraction for the kids, distraction for mom sometimes. So, you know, sometimes I will make sure that the boys have gone outside to play in the afternoon and then they're covered in dirt from head to toe. So I'll throw them in the tub during that time and just any little thing that can kind of keep them distracted and keep them happy during that time is so helpful. So honestly, even for me, just putting my earbuds in and having some fun, upbeat music to take my mind off of the intensity of the emotions going on around me has been so helpful, Rebecca. So helpful. Fantastic. So I'm excited to get a glimpse into Megan's mind by seeing which of these songs you have picked, the ones that make you want to pop around your kitchen. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to put a link to my playlist in the show notes. But if I don't know. I sometimes feel like linking to Spotify can, it's not the most intuitive thing ever. So if you have Spotify, you can look me up within Spotify. You can either search for Megan Teets or you can search for Sorta Crunchy, all one word, Sorta Crunchy. And that should come up um, as my name as well. And you can look for it. It's the happy hour playlist. You can follow it. If you think you might like my taste in music, then you could just follow that list or... I'm here to tell you, build your own happy hour playlist of the music that you like. And there you go. A fun distraction for the five o'clock hour, any time of the day. That is my awesome this week. Fantastic. And such good advice to like change the mood of the house. Yes. Through something as simple as music. Yes. I often forget that when my kids are like cranky and I'm cranky, ah, just like turn on some music and let's just like all take a chill pill. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, Rebecca and I uh, have picked a few questions from you all that we're going to cover on the show this week. And it is just a whole variety of things. It is a complete mixed bag of questions that you all have shared with us, things that we're going to take a shot at answering. And we would, of course, love to hear from the Sorta Awesome community, too, what thoughts you all have on these things. So the first question is from the Tumblr. Just as a reminder, you can always go to sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com and click on the Ask Us link, and you can submit any question that you have that you'd like for us to cover on the show. This question came from the Tumblr, and this listener wrote, I am in search of a great t-shirt. I usually just get a couple every time I'm at Target out of convenience, but they only last a short time before they pill. I've tried several brands over the years and either the fit is all wrong or the fabric is poor quality. Do you have any recommendations for a great fitting, well-made, but still reasonably priced t-shirt? Please help. 
Okay. I have good t-shirt thoughts. I do. But Rebecca, I wanted to ask you first, do you have any uh, brand or line of t-shirts that you're, that you are really into that you've enjoyed over the years that have held up well for you? Well, the t-shirt that I got when I was a sophomore in college still is working out really well for me. Nice. <laughs> That's amazing. Where was I, it from? I, no, I have no idea. It was like a free t-shirt. Like I am not like, <laughs> I am not very good okay. when it comes to fashion. I'm not very good when it comes to like taking wait, time out to like wait, shop wait, wait. for myself. Are you serious? Like you literally still have t-shirts from when you were in college? That you wear oh I, yeah I'm not kidding I just hung on the line to dry yesterday That's it amazing. says Toulouse France on it I went there on a missions trip it's sentimental gotcha. um sometimes I wear it to bed sometimes I wear it in public I just wear it whenever <laughs> I do have to confess I do have a few in my drawer from my Chi Omega days when I was in college but they are just for sleeping in I don't know that I've <laughs> worn them out in public in a long time so so what you're saying is you are not necessarily the one to have a go-to t-shirt uh, no, not one that's less than 10 years old, probably. <laughs> take, take me shopping. Teach me your ways, Megan. What, what, what wisdom do you have? Okay, well, I'm going to back up a little bit before I answer where I have found a fantastic t-shirt. And I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the life-changing magic of tidying up, which I've talked about on the show before, the Marie Kondo book that everybody is talking about. I have started the process with that book. And frankly, honestly, I haven't gotten past the clothes part yet because the section that she recommends doing after that is books. And I'm just, I'm having a lot of resistance to purging Mm. my book collection. I just haven't quite gotten there yet. But I happily and easily did clothes. And the best part about that was once I got my closet and drawers done, I was able to recognize, you know what? I actually really do have kind of like a daily uniform that I just really love. It's perfect for this time of life that I'm in. When I do have two toddlers climbing all over me all the time, I just need something that is washable, that is easy to throw on, that if even if it gets a little wrinkly, it doesn't look terrible. So once I finished my closet, I stood back and realized like I mostly wear t-shirts with um, some kind of skirt or like palazzo pants, which I talked about on the show recently. That is really what I wear a lot. And so once I was able to look at that visually, I realized it's really time for me to invest in some high quality t-shirts. If I'm going to wear them almost every day, I may as well have ones that like our listener has talked about in this question that uh, fit really well, that hold up to wash after wash after wash and are not terribly priced. So the t-shirts that I found over the summer are from J. Crew. Now, I have never been a big J. Crew shopper. Um, I don't know why. I mean, their price point is a little bit higher than I normally spend on clothing. However, I could justify in my mind, because I do wear t-shirts literally every day in some right. in some form or another, I can spend a little bit more on t-shirts. And the great thing about us talking about t-shirts right now is t-shirts are on sale everywhere. <laughs> oh, Be- good point. Because stores are bringing in their fall and winter stuff. So it's a great time, if, especially if you're looking for some short sleeve t-shirts, to stock up on things while they're on sale. I know they're on sale on jcrew.com right now. And as with most retail stores these days, they are almost always running some kind of sale. So 
just watch their website, maybe sign up for their newsletter. You'll get coupons for 30% off, 40% off. And since they're bringing in their fall and winter, it's a great time to pick up some t-shirts. And you can, what I do, I, I layer mine under sweaters and denim jackets and those types of things all through cold weather. Now we don't have brutally cold winters here, so it's fairly easy for me to do that. But I have to say, I have been thrilled with the J. Crew t-shirts. I have both their sort of standard cotton, and I picked up a few of their linen ones. I will say that the linen ones, the cut is a little bit boxier than okay. I like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just depends on your body type. Some people can wear boxy, and that looks fantastic on them. It is not a great look for my specific body type, which is curvy. It's not, it's just not a great one, but the linen ones are really super soft. Um, they okay. feel great to wear. It's just the cut is not my favorite, but just the J crew standard t-shirt. I'll throw a link in the show notes if you want to see specifically which ones I got, but I'm giving those my big thumbs up. If you want to invest in quality t-shirts that are going to hold up for wash after wash after wash. So I think that's such great advice because when I, was listening to you talk about your closet and like cleaning everything out and then looking at what you have. And I thought for a second, okay, what would I remove from my closet? And like so many items came to mind. Like I feel like I really struggle to have a closet full of things that I truly love. Like there are things up there that I have not worn and I just struggle to like let go of them. Uh, uh, yeah, it just... <laughs> No, I know. I'm like having a stroke thinking about. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, when how I, terrible my closet is. <laughs> what she suggests to do, what Marie Kondo suggests to do, is to pull out every item of clothing that you have from your whole house, from your coat closet to your dresser drawers, storage, everything. Pull it all out. Look at it all at once. And then, of course, her big thing is to go through and touch each item and make your decision. Does this spark joy? Now, listen, I, want to throw I know I am not a detail person. So I did not do the whole, like hold each item in my hand type thing, which I know fans of the method are very serious about. And I am not here to make fun of anybody. <laughs> I'm just saying for me, I'm just like, no, I know in my mind is if this makes me happy or if it doesn't make me happy. So Rebecca, I could not believe how many clothes I got rid of. And I feel like I'm somebody who kind of goes through my stuff fairly regularly, but it was insane. Like three huge black garbage bags of stuff off to Goodwill because I'm just, I don't know. It was from a different season in my life, a different time in my life. And I just looked at him and I was like, that's not me anymore. What is me and what does make me happy when I open my closet are these great t-shirts and skirts that make life a little bit easier for me with a mom of little kids. So it was really um, a very therapeutic process, I have to say. Well, yeah, and I can see that. And for myself, I think about what's in my closet and I'm holding on to things in all different kinds of sizes because holy cow, like pregnancy and motherhood, you never know like what size you're going to be and when you're going to need certain things. So it's so smart of you to find a good t-shirt that you know is going to see you through multiple seasons and fits your lifestyle and like let go of everything else. Oh, I need to do that. It makes me want to take a nap just thinking about it, but I should do that. <laughs> 
once you get started, it's not so bad. It's really not. Hey, put on the happy hour playlist and go to work on your closet. <laughs> there you go. You'll be done in no time. Um, so Rebecca, we've talked a little bit on the show before that you are a fairly frugal lady. Do you think that your sort of frugal um, approach to life makes it harder for you to let go of things because you're like, well, I could, I mean, I could still wear this and I may need to wear this in the future. Does that play into your decision making? You are in my head speaking all my thoughts. I have, (laughs) I have that struggle with letting go of, uh, like, (laughs) again, I'm like freaking out just thinking about letting go of things is very hard for me because I feel like it's the responsible thing to do to keep it or to find some other way to reuse it or to find somebody else who could use it and you know not just throw it in the trash or you know I mean you can donate things to that like counts or maybe I should sell it like is it worth something or I see the potential worth and I've heard you know you should stop using your home as like a storage unit and you should let go of the things that like you never need. And then if you for some reason end up needing that thing months later, then you can go out and buy it. And that free space is worth the cost that you had to pay. That's great in theory, except it like it stresses me out to spend money. I'm yes, I'm very frugal. I so I have issues. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me ask you about this, though. As we were kind of talking about this, we were talking about shopping in general. And you mentioned to me that even though you do consider yourself frugal, that you really do not like to go like thrifting. You're not one to go to a thrift store and kind of dig through and see what bargains are to be found. Yeah. See, don't I have issues? Like, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But okay. So here's the reason why. I think because I have t shirts that are like, decades old. You know, I know that when I do spend the money on something, it needs to be good enough to last me through multiple seasons, through many years, because it's so painful for me to actually spend the money to buy it. I don't want to buy something that is potentially already out of style potentially already slightly worn, you know, maybe good enough, but it's going to wear out faster. I I need to invest in clothing that is in style and is in good new quality right now because I'm going to be wearing that for the, at least the next five years. <laughs> that makes sense, actually. Really, when you frame it that way, that totally makes sense. I have to say I was a little bit surprised to hear that you do not like to go thrifting because I associate, I guess, for some reason, um, being frugal with being somebody who will go to the thrift store and invest the time to like dig through the racks and go through the piles and find that great deal on, you know, some kind of high-end clothing piece or something along those lines. But that really does make sense when you, when you frame it that way. I can, I can see where you're coming from. Well, and I have purchased things before that were on clearance that I didn't actually love. But I it was like, oh, well, this doesn't cost that much. So I can go ahead and buy this. This is like good enough. So like I would go straight to the clearance racks and I'd only shop like clearance things in stores. And then I was walking away with things that maybe I just didn't love as much as if I had shopped like the regular racks and found something I might have had to spend more, but it would have fit me better. Maybe it would have been a better color. It just would have been more me. So I I have realized again and again that like my time is worth something too. And I just don't have the time or the desire to go digging for that, you know, hidden gem in the thrift store. 
That's a great point. That's a great point. I just got tickled thinking about it because I am not somebody, I, I would not consider myself frugal. I'm not like, I'm not out spending money like crazy, but frugality does not come naturally to me. Let's put it that way. However, I love to go to a thrift shop and dig for stuff. I don't do it as often now with, since the twins have arrived. Before that, when, especially when Daisy was in school and Eliza was still at home, she and I would go hit a thrift store and she's a fantastic shopper. And so we would just be digging and we would have so much fun. And I love to find pieces that are vintage or retro-y and just different from what's on the racks in the mall right now. So that was such a challenge for me. That really fits your style. Like I see that in you and like what you like to wear. I am so style challenged. Like I can't pull that off. I need somebody to straight up tell me this is in style right now. Like buy this one. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that is so interesting. So anyway, to the lovely listener who asked the question about t-shirts, I hope that you find that helpful. J. Crew is a great one. Um, Gap, to some extent, I really do like theirs and Old Navy as well. I, do, I find their material to be a little sheer. So I often find I'm reaching for a, a camisole or something to wear under one of theirs. However, in the winter, when I'm using a t-shirt and layering cardigans and those types of things on top, then it's uh, those are uh, the ones I reach for more often, actually. So if you are listening and you have a fantastic t-shirt that you are always telling people about, please do let us know. Find us on Twitter or um, or on Instagram, in the Facebook group, the Hangout group, and let's talk about your favorite t-shirts. Okay, moving on. Another question from the Tumblr. This one is going to totally switch gears from shopping and clothes to personality types. So this is from the Tumblr, and it says, Hi, Megan and friends. My question for y'all has to do with personality and talking. Do you think your Myers-Briggs personality type corresponds to how much or how little you talk? I am an INFJ and in general don't have a lot to say. I have a lot going on in my mind, but am very selective with what comes out of my mouth. I oftentimes wish I was better at making conversation, and I've noticed that people who I perceive as being similar to me can sometimes be much better at talking. So, Rebecca, let's talk about talking. Okay. (laughs) I want to dig into if this is an extrovert or introvert thing, um, what our cognitive functions have to do with all this. But first, you and I, we're both extroverts. And anybody looking at the, if somebody snuck a peek at the Voxer apps on each of our phone, they would see that you and I can log (laughs) some time in Voxer. So I want to hear you. I want to hear your perspective as a fellow extrovert who also happens to be married to an extrovert. What do you think about this? Do you think that you are more talkative than most? What What would you say to this listener? I am super talkative and I wish that I could hold back a little bit, but I, <laughs> it's like diarrhea of the mouth sometimes. It just keeps coming and coming. And when I was little, <laughs> my mom used to tell me, that I like to talk just to hear the sound of my own voice. <laughs> I'm an external processor. So like I, all of my problem solving is done through just like yabber, 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 yabber. And something interesting, my husband, he's an extrovert also, but he, <laughs> good golly, he's not nearly as talkative as I am. He does not have as many words as I do. And 
one thing that we were just talking about just recently is the difference between the S type mm -hmm. and the N type. Yes. And I wonder, now you're the expert here, so you'll have to school me on this, but I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Because my husband was telling me he just did Myers-Briggs personality testing through his work and had like a professional come in and he did the test again and he scored extremely high as an N and which translates with him is to be like a big picture thinker. I score as an S, which means that I am more detail oriented. And we were talking about just how that works and how there's conflict sometimes in the workplace because he doesn't want to answer necessarily all the questions about how to do something. He's come up with the idea and he wants other people just to implement it. And so we're talking about that in terms of like our marriage and things like that and how does that work. And one thing he said to me, he said, Rebecca, you're just much more detail oriented even in your memories. When you're telling a story, you talk about things that happened and describe things that like I don't even remember. And he said, sometimes I kind of just, I feel like I should remember more. I said, and I interrupted him and I said, you like make things up sometimes when you're telling stories because you say things wrong. He's like, I do because I feel like I don't remember enough. So I'll just like throw in details. And so I wonder if that has anything to do with it. The detailed part of my personality makes me just want to like yabber, 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 yabber. I have to say like all the things about like all the details about like just use all the words. <laughs> you no, know, that is really interesting. I had not thought about that aspect of it because you're spot on in your description of the difference between the N and the S. I hadn't really thought about that as much in terms of how talkative a person would be. I mean, I'm an N type as well as an ENFP. So, um, and I'm relating to a lot of what you said about your husband, but you know, uh, that Laura, one of our other co-hosts, she is ISFJ, but she's really one of the most talkative introverts I know by far. And so, and she's an S type. So I do, I wonder if the fact that you all think and experience life in the detail so clearly then inspires you as you're talking to really make sure that you're relaying those details to others, which makes sense then that it would involve a lot more talking. So that's a great point. And I had not even thought of that. So good stuff. Yeah, well, maybe I, <laughs> I, I talk a lot there. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> you can summarize all that up with a little bow like that, put that on there. ESFP, that's me. And I just talk, talk, talk. <laughs> well, as I've told you, I think that Eliza Joy, my second daughter is also ESFP. I really do think that that I'm landing pretty solidly that that's where she is. And that child can talk. I mean, from the time she gets up in the morning <laughs> until she lays her head down, she literally is still talking as she's drifting off to sleep. She has a lot of words. So, and she's also so far, I of course don't know what the twins would be, but so far the only S-type in our family. So that's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. Well, what I was going to bring into the conversation is to talk a little bit about the cognitive functions. And the reason why it may be that some people are more prone to processing their thoughts out loud and why some are more prone to kind of keeping it under the surface. So our listener who wrote in is an INFJ, which means that her primary way of experiencing the world is through introverted intuition, which is an introverted function. If you are an introvert of any kind in Myers-Briggs, that means that your lead cognitive function is going to be introverted something. So that has a lot to do with what's going on internally. They, INFJ, however, 
has as their second function extroverted feeling. So an INFJ is going to be much more comfortable with expressing out loud their feelings to some extent for sure, but also topics and ideas that they feel passionately about. So when it comes to conversation, I wonder if our listener who's an INFJ would say that if a topic comes up that that she has really big feelings about, if she finds it easier to talk about that. That's why a lot of, um, really a lot of introvert types have a hard time with small talk because small talk is a lot of jibber jabber, right? It's a lot of just chit chatting stuff, but they have so much going on. Whatever that introverted first function is, they have a lot going on internally. But if they can tap into that extroverted function because everybody's cognitive cognitive stack looks that way. So if you have an introverted function first, that means that your, uh, your second cognitive function is going to be extroverted something. So if they can tap into that thing, so if it's an INFJ, if they're tapping into something that they feel passionately about, that's going to ignite for them the ability to express those thoughts out loud. My sister, for example, my sister Emily is an INFJ. She is a professional educator, has been teaching for years, has her master's degree in um, education administration. If you get her talking about education, she can just talk and talk and talk and talk. She doesn't, she's not necessarily one who's going to want to sit down and small talk with you. But if you bring up a a topic related to education, she has a lot to say because it's something that she feels passionately about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to use my husband as an example as well. He's INTJ. So he leads also like INFJ with introverted intuition. However, his second cognitive function is extroverted thinking. So it's the same with my husband. So many people, when they meet him, particularly in social situations, are, have often said through the years, gosh, Kyle is so quiet. He's just so quiet. But I know, like when we're around the house, that if he is thinking about something, if he's got a problem to solve, he has to process out loud verbally because he's an extroverted thinker. So his process is, if he's, again, trying to solve a problem, let's say related to his job, who will kind of go under to think about it a lot internally, not talking to anybody else about it, doing lots of reading, lots of research. And then as he moves into that sort of action part of problem solving, he wants to and needs to talk out loud, like, this is what I'm thinking. This is where I'm going with this. This is what I'm seeing happening. And it's in that process of talking out loud that he actually really then is able to process through all of those things that he's been taking in through his introverted intuition. So it's really hard to say, just to paint with broad strokes and say, well, extroverts like to talk and introverts are more quiet. I mean, that's sometimes the case. But not always. It really depends on what cognitive functions your brain is wired with. That is really what determines how you like to process out loud and what gets you talking. So we have people, I mean, really, ESFP is a fantastic example of this because you all lead with extroverted sensing. So that means that you are constantly aware of all of the details that are happening in the here and now. ESFPs generally are really good at small talk. Do you feel like you're pretty good at just talking to people, strangers or friends and small group settings, whatever? Yeah, I think so. That is very common for ESFP. ESTP, um, there are definitely extroverted types that are better at just 
talking than others. There are introverted types that are better at talking, and then there are introverted types that really, really do not want to talk either with strangers and even sometimes find conversation hard with the people that they love. So it's really hard to paint with such broad strokes. However, when you begin to understand your unique cognitive functions for your type, that's when you can really start to go, oh, so that's why this is true in my life. So those are some of my thoughts on that. Very interesting. The whole, uh, I just really appreciate everything that you've taught me about Myers-Briggs and just like introducing me to this world and giving my husband and I in particular a language to talk about these differences with. It's, it's, it's been very good for us. It is such a game changer in any kind of relationship, I think. And I'm so excited to hear that they were doing this at work because I think on, in, in the workplace, especially when you're working together as a team a lot, understanding what makes other people tick can be so huge and definitely within family dynamics as well. Most definitely. I think it was really enlightening for them as a team. I bet it was. I bet it was. All right. So we have covered shopping today. We've covered Myers-Briggs. We're going to go off on a completely different direction for our third topic today. This one is not actually directly related to a listener question. Um, But it sort of is. One of my very best friends who I've known since we were in middle school together uh, lives here in Oklahoma City. One of my nearest, dearest friends. We talk daily. I mean, talk about logging some miles on Voxer. And we live in the same town. (laughs) (laughs) And she does listen to the show. So maybe this could technically be considered a listener question. So her name is Catherine. And Catherine is somebody who, from childhood on, on far into adulthood, went by a nickname. When she was a little girl, some family members decided to call her Kathy instead of Catherine. Her name's spelled K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. And family members, for a variety of reasons, decided to shorten it to Kathy. So when I knew her in middle school, and even we went to college together, even uh, in college, for many years, she has gone by Kathy. However, in the past couple of years, we are approaching 40, we're both 38, she has decided that she didn't feel like Kathy was a great fit for her anymore. As a person, as a human being, as we all do as we approach middle age, she's gone through a lot of changes in her political beliefs, spiritual beliefs, her views on um, parenting and life and community, everything to the point where she just felt like Kathy represented a person that she really no longer was. And I'm not saying that she like made some kind of radical change where she turned her back on, (laughs) you know, the person that she used to be, but she just had really grown and almost, I think you could almost say had gone through this metamorphosis to where Now, as a lot of people experience, and I am finding to be true for myself, the older you get, the closer to this solid part of middle age you get to, the more you start to figure out who you really are, not who your parents expected you to be, not who your faith community expects you to be, but who you were truly created to be. And so for her, leaving behind the nickname of her childhood and embracing the name that she was given and that she feels like really fits who she is, who she was created to be, has been a huge step for her. However, it hasn't been the easiest thing for her in terms of getting other people to get on board with calling her Catherine instead of Kathy. 
I can imagine. Yes. So I just have been thinking about this. She and I talked about this for a long time, about sort of the philosophical implications and what does a name mean and all of this really big picture stuff about names. And it got me thinking about nicknames and how they can either be endearing, something that you really, I mean, that means a lot to you for sentimental reasons, or sometimes a nickname can ultimately be harmful or hurt your feelings. So I wanted to throw this out there to you, Rebecca, because you and I have talked about names a little bit. You have a name, Rebecca, that sometimes yes, can I have a yes, name. Everybody <laughs> has a name, and your name is a beautiful one, Rebecca. But it's one of those that sometimes people can maybe even either jokingly or offhandedly shorten to Becca or Becky. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about names a little bit. Tell me what your thoughts are about your name and the whole nickname aspect of it. Well, it's interesting because I was never a Becky. My parents named me and they Rebecca and they weren't really interested in the nickname Becky and I just never ever was called Becky. And I even remember somebody I was pretty young and somebody called me Becky and I kind of said with a little bit of sass my name's Rebecca, not Becky. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, and then when I was in sixth grade, there was a teacher who gave nicknames to just like absolutely everybody. And he started calling me Becca. And I started signing my papers for his class with Becca. And then it kind of spread and more of my friends started calling me Becca. Um, when Nate first met me, he called me Becca a lot. And it's interesting because his family they all called me Becca and then something happened and I don't know where the shift came but a few years after being married Nate stopped calling me Becca I think you know I was away from my high school friends that were calling me Becca and everybody now calls me Rebecca again and I'm 100% okay with that Becky has never felt like me Becca has felt um I don't know like something like my old school friends called me. It's a little endearing, you know, but I, I just, yeah, Becky just was not, was not me. It just wasn't. That is so interesting. So interesting. I can just see a younger version of you being like, excuse me, <laughs> my name's Rebecca. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, and it's funny because when we were thinking about naming our first and her name is Grace we weren't sure if we wanted to go with Grace because we really liked the name Grace. But the name Gracie, which we assumed that people would, you know, choose as the nickname, didn't really sound, it just didn't sit well with us. We didn't like that. And so one way that we kind of helped prevent that from happening with her, so far she's only five, is we told everybody that, well, we have a name, but we really don't like the nickname. We're not sure what we're going to do, if we're going to do with, go with that or not. And then when she was born and she turned out that she was a girl and we went with the name Grace, everybody already knew Gracie is not what they like. Don't call her Gracie. And we've talked with Grace about that too. And I've told her that if somebody calls her Gracie and she doesn't like that, that she can politely smile <laughs> Not with the sass, but politely smile and say, and say, can you call me Grace, please? Oh, that's good. That's good. Because sometimes, yes, because I do think that nicknames tend to be bestowed on kids, little ones and kids the right. most. In the case of my friend Catherine, 
it was that situation, but it just stuck and people never stopped calling her the shortened version of her name. So in your family, there's Rebecca, Nate, Grace, and Noah. So around the house, when it's just the Hoffer family chilling out together, do you have um, pet names for each other, nicknames, names that are just for family that aren't really used by friends or whatever? Um, Are you kind of a nickname type family or you just call each other just, my name is Rebecca? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have always called our children by their middle names, like as a way of giving a nickname. So we called Grace, Grace Renee, pretty consistently for several months after she was born. And it just went back down to just Grace. But we'll call her Grace Renee, her middle name. Um, We'll call Noah, Noah Charles. That's his middle name. So we throw in the middle names. Like that's our nickname equivalent, I guess you could say. Yes, yes. Now, you know, and this is such a regional thing, I think, but in our part of the country, it is not entirely unusual for somebody to go by both their first and middle name as a matter of fact. That's their name. For example, with Eliza Joy and John Kyle, I have two of them right. <laughs> who go by both names. So that's an interesting part of the conversation as well. And do you also do what a lot of parents do when they're in trouble? Do they get the full name treatment? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny how that works, that it can be such an affectionate thing, or it can be like, you are in trouble kind of thing. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that happens here, too. (laughs) Um, So one time, months ago, before we started the show, you and I were talking about, um, I can't remember, what what were we even talking about? You're the one with a great memory. How are we talking about my name and it being shortened to Meg. Do you remember the context for that at all? I think that maybe you just were relaying a conversation maybe that you had with your husband and you were like playing his part and like he called you Meg or something. And I was kind of like, you know, (laughs) whoa, (laughs) let's put on the brakes here. I'm sorry. What? Meg? Like I never even thought to call you Meg. That is, yeah. it just blows my mind. I can, you don't look like a Meg to me. Like it just, <laughs> I can, those words, I don't think they will ever come out of my mouth that I would just call you Meg. That is very funny to me. Okay. We are a very, very nicknamey type family. Um, but growing up, uh, friends often shortened my name to Meg. In fact, you've heard Laura call me Meg before in our um, conversations that we have, uh, the co-hosts. As we talk about the show, um, I have close friends from high school still to this day who call me Meg, um, college friends, um, my parents sometimes do. So it's so funny to me to think about not being called that. <laughs> Another derivative of my name that Kyle uses a lot um, when I was in college, when I was a freshman in college, one of my sorority sisters started calling me Maggie. Um, oh, that's right. <laughs> which I'm okay, sure is yes. equally shocking to you. <laughs> I just could not wrap my brain around this. Yeah. So, uh, so my name, Megan, is derived from Margaret. And so one of my um, sorority sisters started calling me Maggie, just affectionately, a, a term of endearment. And this was, she ran around the same crowd that Kyle and I ran around with, and he had heard her calling me that. And Kyle started calling me that. And honestly, to this day, I mean, just this morning, he was getting my attention about something. He said, Maggie Mae, come in here and look at this. 
that's not my name at all, but that is just sort of the nickname that he has come up with and has used through the years. It's not unusual at all for him to call me Maggie or Maggie May, which is funny because that's not, I mean, my middle name isn't May, it's Elise. So anyway, we are very nicknamey in my family. Um, Kyle, I call Kylie affectionately, but just around the house because it's sort of, um, it, I mean, Kylie is a girl's name, but <laughs> I call him Kylie uh, and have for, for years, just like I said, just around the house. But our kids get like lavished with nicknames. Um, our oldest is named Daisy, and she's gone by everything from... Daisy Bear and Daisy Girl to Daisy Lace. That's one that we call her a lot. Um, Eliza Joy, bless her heart. I mean, she has she goes by two names, but uh, we specifically, before we even knew that she was going to be a girl and before we knew what her first name was going to be, we knew that we were going to use Joy as her middle name because it's after my mother, whose name is Joyce and whose father called her Joy. Um, and so we knew Joy was going to be Eliza's middle name. Um, and we've played around with a variety of first names, but I knew I wanted it to start with A because I love the nickname AJ. So she definitely goes by AJ, but you know what, Rebecca, it's so weird. Not at school. One time I went mm. in there to, I went into the office to check her out early and I told the secretary, which is a small elementary school and the secretary knows all the kids. And I said, um, I need to check AJ out. And she just like looked at me blankly, like, who are you talking about? <laughs> but Eliza has always just wanted to go by Eliza at school. Maybe because she has so many nicknames at home. She's like, I would like to be just known as Eliza, please. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but she definitely, she has a lot of nicknames. We call her AJ and Joy Joy and Lili, all kinds of names. Um, the twins, John Kyle, uh, we started calling him JK. And then... JK kind of sounds like Jake. And so sometimes we call him Jake, which I'm sure at, to people outside of our family would be like, do you have another kid that we don't know about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, and then the other twin, our other son's name is Mac. And he definitely has a lot of names, Mackers and Macaroo and all kinds of stuff. So we have fun with the names around here. Again, in ways that might be confusing or even in Rebecca's case, shocking. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Maggie, I just, it's sweet that that's what your husband calls you, but I I really cannot look at you and see Maggie. So who is that? (laughs) I don't know who that is. So funny. You had to know me way back when, before I had wrinkles and gray hair to get that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I... I always wished that I had a nickname that was also like a name that could be shortened to a boy's name. Ooh, interesting. So I always thought that the name Samantha would be cool because then people could call me Sam and I would instantly be a little bit more cool being a girl with like a guy's nickname or Alexandra and people call me Alex. I just always thought that would be so hip. (laughs) That is so funny. In fact, I was going to ask you, because I think this is such an interesting question to ask. I am all the time coming up with interesting questions to ask people. They might not think it's that interesting to be friends with me because I always ask weird things. (laughs) But I do think it's interesting to ask people if they ever wish they were named something else when they were growing up. Um, I can't say I really liked being Megan when I was growing up because... 
I was born in 1977, and it just was not that popular of a name. I was almost always the only Megan in my class. However, I wished my whole childhood, I wished that my parents had spelled it M-E-G-H-A-N. I don't know why. I, I think I think I thought it was a romantic spelling of Megan. Oh, that's interesting. So I think that is such an interesting question. So you wished for the names that could be shortened to um, a boy's kind of nickname. Well, that and for some reason, I always liked the name Jill. And I wanted to be named Jill Towers. Oh, <laughs> Jill Towers. I remember that you used to like to uh, record into um, a little tape recorder when you were yes. a little mm-hmm. kid. Um, so maybe Jill Towers sounded like a reporter or somebody who it would be on camera. So sophisticated Jill I Towers. That. I don't know anybody who has the last name Towers. Is that even like a real last name? I don't. I don't know, but that's Jill Towers. That was like my alter ego. (laughs) I'm going to remember this. Um, I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, we have talked all about names. Now, listen, here's the thing too about names that's so fascinating to me. I am not necessarily into this, but there are people who are way, way, way into baby names and helping people pick a baby name for their infant that they're expecting. And there are blogs, there are websites. I actually, I've known about the websites for a long time. Obviously having children, you kind of do your research. And for us, the meaning of our kids' names was like super important. And so I, when each time we were expecting kiddos, I spent a lot of time not just looking at names that we liked, but really researching what those names meant. So I knew that there were websites. I did not know that there are entire blogs devoted to naming and names. But I will tell you that in our Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout, there is quite a collection of people in there who are very into the naming thing. So I can't wait to see what discussion we have in there after the show to hear more thoughts about names, nicknames, what you wish you were named, do you like your name, all of that stuff related to names. So before we wrap up the show, Rebecca, please remind all of us where we can find you if we want to talk about names or shopping (laughs) or anything related to the show. You can find me at simplyrebecca.com. And then I'm also all over social media. Just look up Simply Rebecca. You can find me there on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Fantastic. Okay. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Sorta Awesome Meg, which do you have big feelings about me using that for my handle? I, I kind of do. It doesn't quite I love feel it. right. That's awesome. Okay. So Twitter and Instagram as Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show on Instagram, this at Sorta Awesome Show. And again, you can find us in the Facebook group sort of awesome hangout. So I think that about does it for today's show. Thanks so much for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. While you're there, click on the Ask Us link to submit your questions for an upcoming episode. You can also sign up for the show's newsletter, which includes extra tidbits of awesome by going to tinyletter.com slash sortaawesome. If you are enjoying the show, it would be so totally awesome if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to pragermusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.